0: Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja bihari Jaya Gopi Janava Girivaradhari Jaya Gopijana Vallabha Girivaradhari Yashodhanandana Vrajajana Ranjana Yashodhanandana Vrajajana Ranjana YAMUNATIRA VANACHARI YAMUNATIRA VANACHARI JAYA RADHAMA DHAVA KUNJA BIHARI JAYA RADHAMA Jayom Om Vishnupad, Paramhamsa, Parivraja, Kacharja, Ashtota, Tashrata, Sri Bhakti A.C. Bhaktivaranta, Swami, Srila Prabhupada, Ki. Anantakota, Vaisna, Vrinda, All glories to
1: the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namah.
0: Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Gyanatimranda Sha Jana Jana Shalakaya Chakshuru Mitam Jayna Tasmay Sri Guruve
1: Namaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him.
0: Shri Chaitanya Manovistam Slapitam Jana Butale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Tadati Swapadantikam When will Sri Larupa Goswami Prabhupada, who has
1: established within this material world a mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet. Mancha Kalpa Tarubyashakripasindu Byavicha Patita Anam Pavanabyo Vaishnavyo Namunamaham. I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls.
0: Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar, Sri
1: Vastadi, Gaurabhakti Vrinda. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. I pray that Sheshi Radha Kalashanji, Srila Prabhupada, and Srila Gurudev use me as an instrument so that their message can flow through me to give the words to serve the Vaishnava's listening. Today is Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. And we are reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Creation, Chapter 17, Punishment and Reward of Kali, Text
0: 34. Yasmin Harid Bhagavan ichyamana ichyatma Murtir Yajatam Samtanoti Kamana Moghan stira Jangamanam Antar Bahir Vayur Ivai, Atma. Yasmin,
1: in such sacrificial ceremonies. Hari, the Lord, the Supreme Lord. Bhagavan, the personality of Godhead. Ijyamana, being worshipped. Ijaatma, Atma, the soul of all worshipable deities. Murtihi in the forms Yajatam those who worship Sam Welfare Tanoti spreads Kaman desires Amoghan inviolable Sida jang, Jangamanam of all the moving and non moving Antaha within Bahi outside Vayu air. Eva, like. Isha, of all of them. Atma, spirit-soul. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila In all sacrificial ceremonies, although sometimes a demigod is worshipped, the Supreme Lord Personality of Godhead is worshipped because he is the Supersoul of everyone, and is, exists both inside and outside like the air. Thus, it is he only who awards all welfare to the worshiper. Purport. It is even sometimes seen that demigods like Indra and Chandra are worshipped and offered sacri- sacrificial awards, yet the rewards of all such sacrifices are awarded to the worshiper by the Supreme Lord. And it is the Lord only who can offer all welfare to the worshipper. The demigods, although worshipped, cannot do anything without the sanction of the Lord because the Lord is the supersoul of everyone, both moving and non moving. In Bhagavad Gita nine twenty three, the Lord Himself confirms this in the following sloka Yepi
0: Anya Devata Bhakta Yajante Shadhaya Vitaha. Whatever
1: a person may sacrifice to other gods, O son of Kunti, is really meant for me alone, but is offered without true understanding. The fact is that the Supreme Lord is one without a second. There is no God other than the Lord himself. Thus the Supreme Lord is eternally transcendental to the material creation. But there are many who worship the demigods like the sun, the moon, and Indra, who are only material representatives of the Supreme Lord. These demigods are indirect qualitative representations of the Supreme Lord. A learned scholar or devotee, whoever knows, however, knows who is who. Therefore, they directly worship the Supreme Lord and are not diverted by the material qualitative representations. Those who are not so learned worship such qualitative material representations, but their worship is unceremonious because it is irregular. So, if we remember, um, we've been talking about Maharaj Pariksit's encounter with the personification of Kali, who's um, torturing and um, killing a cow, and this is considered the highest offense because the cow represents, you know, not just not just the mother, but also religion. So, the um, the metaphor here really is that Kali is um, breaking the legs, of the four pillars of religion. And we talked a lot about religious principles last time. So, sometimes in religious principles. We, um, especially in Hinduism where it's considered polytheistic, we have many gods that we worship, that we have been seen to worship. And Prabhupada has stated in no uncertain terms that many of these gods are actually just demigods, that they are not the supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna. So when we worship, worship Krishna, we get all of the benefits of worshiping all of the demigods because he's the source. So let's discuss a little bit about demigod worship versus surrender to Krishna and the personal form of Krishna, of God. And Bhagavad Gita 9.23 um, is quoted in the purport. And it basically says, those who are devotees of other gods and who worship them with faith own actually only worship me, but they do so in a wrong way. So Krishna here is stating that even if you're praying to other demigods, you're worshiping them, you're doing sacrifices for them. All all of that really is praying to me. It's just going about it in an indirect way, right? And he's basically saying, cut out the middle person and comes directly to the source. And we hear that's a very common theme these days, right? We want to cut out the middle source, the middle person, because it can increase your costs. It can increase your... Um, the time it takes to get something, right? Like it's better to get something from the source than it is to have all these other people in between. So that's what basically Krishna is saying here is like come directly to the source, you know, but there are those that are drawn to worshipping the demigods. He says in Bhagavad Gita 4.12, persons in this world desire success and fruit of activities and therefore they worship the demigods. So he's basically saying that those that want some kind of personal sense gratification, personal results, right, they're looking for some um, success in fruit of activities, they're the ones that are worshiping demigods because that's where we get them from. In Bhagavad Gita 7.20, he says, Those whose intelligence has been stolen by material desires surrender unto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. So, we've discussed a lot previously as well as about our, our nature, you know, who we are, how we, um, think, what our skills are, what our talents are, and our desires. It really makes up a big part of our nature is our desires. And here, Krishna is pointing out that because we are surrendering to our desires, we have a propensity to worship the demigods because they are more likely to fulfill these material desires that we have. And we have to do it according to rules and regulations, and we have to do it according to our own nature. And then he goes on to say in 925, Bhagavad Gita, those who worship the demigods will take birth among the demigods. And those who worship me will live with me. So he's basically saying that if you worship the demigods, that's where you're gonna that's the results that you're gonna get. That's where you're gonna go. Um, and we see so many examples of demigod worship even in the Srimad Bhagavatam, right? One major example can be um here in Yakashipu who worships, you know, Brahma, and he is seeking a major boon of immortality, of not being able to die. But Brahma himself says, I can't give you this boon because I myself don't have immortality. So in that case, if Brahma, who's, you know, the oldest of all the demigods, he's the father of all the demigods, if he doesn't even have immortality, you know, then He's definitely not the source. And we see that none of the other demigods have immortality either. So we really want to get into the source. And Krishna, he says that whenever we start to seek out this, you know, with faith, we seek out the source, he'll definitely lead us on the right path, right? So he says in Bhagavad Gita 721, I'm in everyone's heart as a super soul, As soon as one desires to worship some demigod and make their faith steady so they can devote themselves to that particular deity. Endowed with such a faith, they endeavor to worship a particular demigod and obtain their desires. But in actuality, these benefits are bestowed by me alone. So, again, Krishna, this is basically... um, a rephrasing of today's verse, right? Because today's verse says, In all sacrificial ceremonies, although sometimes a demigod is worshipped, the supreme personality of Godhead is worshipped because he's the super soul of everyone and exists both inside and outside like the air. Thus it is he only who awards all welfare to the worshipper. So, In Bhagavad Gita, he confirms this, that when you worship a demigod, it's still worshiping him indirectly. And so, you know, he describes who are the ones that are likely to worship demigods. And I've often heard people um, argue, like I've had a a friend of mine tell me that, you know, one of the issues he has with um, ISKCON and Hare Krishna is is that we um, disregard all of the demigods and, you know, Krishna's God. Krishna's the supreme. And, you know, that's not how, as Hindus, we have been raised. Like, we've been raised that all of the gods are equal and we can worship them all equally. And, um, but over and over in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna emphasizes that He alone is the source. He's the creator. He's the ultimate source of all of these, um, divine beings. And that doesn't mean that we diminish the um, the role of demigods, their position. You know, we can actually have a reverent attitude towards the demigods and understand that they are actually, you know, really high-level um, devotees, right? They're devotees of Krishna. Um, and even then, like, we can worship them in such a way that they can guide us to Krishna. Like, I've often been told that we can pray to Lord Ganesha for, to remove obstacles, right? So, in our in the material world, we have so many challenges, so many obstacles. So, we can pray to Lord Ganesha to remove these obstacles, but we can also pray to Lord Ganesha to remove the obstacles in our service to Krishna, right? So, then, not only are we praying to the demigods in a proper way, because we're actually asking for the source but both you know lord ganesha becomes pleased because his ultimate purpose is also fulfilled and we become fulfilled by praying you know being furthered on our path to krishna to god and so that's really what we want to focus on when we are, when we are thinking about demigods there's so many you know there's so many wonderful demigods that we know about like saraswati is the goddess of knowledge, right? And so we can pray to her to help us understand Krishna, you know, through reading scripture, through reading Srimad Bhagavatam. We can um, pray to Kali herself to, you know, help us get to Krishna and understand that her way of getting us to Krishna is, is a difficult one. She's going to put all the challenges in front of us to test us, to see that do we really have the strong faith, do we really care enough to tolerate any, you know, injustices, any challenges, any discomfort on our way to Krishna? You know, um, I've seen or I've read or heard about that if someone wants to co- convert to Judaism, to the Jewish faith, right, they get turned, they have to ask several times, and they get turned down every time. And it's a test to see if they really want it. It's not just some whim. And so it's that same kind of idea here. You know, Krishna's always going to send Maya or Kali to test us. You know, are we really, truly serious about surrendering to Krishna? And, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 4.11, As all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects. So it doesn't matter, you know, we talked about it doesn't matter if you worship demigods or you worship Krishna directly, it all will end up with Krishna. But it's better because he says he rewards us accordingly. So if we're going to the direct source, you know, we're going to feel that the, um, we, that we can rise above these challenges more easily because we're not, we're not going, okay, I need to pray to Saraswati for the knowledge and I need to pray to Ganesh for the obstacles and I need to pray to, you know, um, Surya for the sun and Indra for the rain and, you know, so many different demigods for all the different things that control our lives. We go directly to the ultimate source, to Krishna who controls everything. And we become under his, you know, um, guidance, under his uh, care, right? And who better to be under the care of than God himself, the supreme personality of Godhead. So Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita 9.24, I am the only enjoyer and master of all sacrifices, Therefore those who do not recognize my transcendental nature fall down. So when we don't recognize that Krishna is the supreme and he is um, a person, he's the supreme personality of Godhead. You know if we think of, okay, yes, maybe there is a God above the demigods who's the source, but basically it's you know the universe, the abstract, the Brahman, the light, the effulgence. Krishna says, well, those who don't understand my transcendental nature fall down. Um And he also says in Bhagavad Gita 4.6, although I am unborn, my transcendental body never deteriorates. And although I am the Lord of all living entities, I still appear in every millennium in my original transcendental form. So, again, here he confirms that he's not just some abstract light effulgence he's got a body his body never deteriorates it's transcendental and he appears in his original form and of course we just got done with the weekend of celebrating Krishna's appearance in his original form right we did was on Friday and that's the celebration of Krishna coming in his original form so we can see that um, over and over again Krishna tells us that he is the supreme and not just that that he's a personal form of god that he is a person that we can have a relationship with. And when we strive to have a relationship with Krishna as a person, not just because he's, you know, um I've heard the saying what man made god in his image. However, the truth is god, you know, made humans in his image, right? So um, when we recognize that, it's, it, it makes it so much easier for our mind to accept having a relationship to, to Krishna. It's hard to have a relationship to, you know, blinding light or um, Brahman because it's, it, you know, you can't, it's hard to have, imagine your relationship to air, right, to clouds. It's so abstract. But we see that we have relationships with other people, and so it's easy enough to, to transpose that to having a relationship with God, with the Supreme Form. And so there are so many ways that we can deepen our relationship with Krishna, right? The nine processes of devotional service, such as hearing, chanting, um, remembering, praying, worshipping... Um, serving, you know, surrender. Um, we associate with each other so we chant 16 rounds of the Hare Krishna Maha mantra in mantra meditation. Every day we follow certain rules and regulations. So there's so many things that we do that can help us further our devotion to Krishna, further our relationship to Krishna, further help us realize that we're not this body. We are actually spirit souls. And our transcendental, eternal nature is, it's eternal, is that we are full of bliss and knowledge. And we have an eternal, um, unique relationship with Krishna, with God. One of the best ways to learn is to teach. And, um, you know, in medical school and even in residency, we had this phrase that we would say is, um, see one, do one, teach one. And once we were able to do all three of these parts, we were considered proficient in any skill. So for instance, if I wanted to learn how to um, place sutures, you know, for someone who's had a deep cut, then the process of that is I see someone do it, right? Someone shows me what they're doing. I do it under their guidance. And then I'm still not considered proficient. I can do it many, many times and be perfect at doing it, but it's not considered proficient until I can teach someone else. And because when you can teach someone, that means that you've really processed the information that you're learning, have internalized it, have realized it, and then you can teach it to someone else. So we call that in this movement Sankirtan. Right? That's that is the basis of the Krishna Consciousness Movement. That was the goal, the heart of Krishna of Srila Prabhupada's mission. And, you know, again, we just celebrated Srila Prabhupada's um, Vyasa Puja, his appearance here on earth, his birthday, so to speak. And we heard so many stories, um, glorification of Srila Prabhupada, and it comes down to, you know, his whole mood was to serve um, the world by bringing Krishna consciousness all over the world. And he did that by Sankirtan, by preaching the glories of Krishna, by teaching people about Krishna, and asking his followers to do the same. In Bhagavad Gita 1868 and 69, Krishna is concluding the Bhagavad Gita, you know, or towards the end. And basically, part, one of the conclusions is, for one who explains the supreme secret to the devotees, pure devotional service is guaranteed, and at the end, they will come back to me. There's no servant in this world more dear to me than them, nor will there ever be one more dear. So Krishna says that the highest service that we can perform is to glorify him, to talk to other people, to other devotees about him, to teach them about him. And Sankirtan is the prescribed method of sacrifice in this age. So the question is, how do we take part in Sankirtan? We hear the term, you know, we're going to go out on Sankirtan. What does that mean? It means usually the person that says that means that they're going to do a very specific type of glorification of God. They're going to pass out Srila Prabhupada's books to People that may not have heard of Krishna before, you know, to get people interested to have people learn. So when we generally talk about Sankirtan, that's what comes to mind. From um, different writings of Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada describes Sankirtan as the public and widespread glorification of God. So book distribution is one way that we do that. In the Nectar of Devotion, chapter 9, it says, When a person loudly chants the glories of the Lord's activities, qualities, form, etc., their chanting is called Sankirtan. So, the key point here is that it's public and it's loud and it's like, you know, being on a loudspeaker and announcing it to the world. So, you're um, spreading this message to more than just one person at a time, or to a small group of people at a time, you're spreading it widespread. So we know the word kirtan is, you know, the, the congregational call and response chanting of the holy names that we have here, you know, very often. And so that can also be a type of san kirtan where we go out on what we call harinam, where we, you know, go might go into a crowded place and. um have our murdangas and kartals and singing party, and we sing the holy name, you know, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, in these crowded places, that's also a form of Sankirtan. It says in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32, in the age of Kali, intelligent persons perform congregational chanting to worship the incarnation of Godhead, who constantly sings the names of Krishna. Although his complexion is not blackish, blackish, he is Krishna himself. He is accompanied by his associates, servants, weapons, and confidential companions. So this verse is referring to Lord Chaitanya who propagated this Sankirtan movement, who um really brought out to the masses the chanting of Hare Krishna, you know, made the traveling kirtan parties a thing. You know, there's these descriptions in the Chaitanya Charitamrita of Lord Chaitanya, like, dancing in the streets, and there's, like, so many people in his kirtan party that they have to have actually several different murdangas and singers and leaders because, you know, if you're at the back of the crowd, you're not going to hear the singer at the front of the crowd. So it's hard to call and respond. You can just imagine, you know, how many people that would take out in the streets, you know, to have that many different leaders, you know, of the chanting. Um, in the purport of Bhagavad Gita 310, Prabhupada says, the Sankirtan Yagna is easy and sublime for all purposes. So, you know, it seems like it's easy enough. We may think, oh, I don't have the time. I'm not free. Um, I think every, practically every Saturday, we have Harinam out, I think, the Trader Joe's parking lot or somewhere, you know, in Greenville. And that happens like every week. So we can sometimes find the time to go there. Um, in the purport of Bhagavad Gita 914, Prabhupada describes the devotional service of Glorifying Krishna as easy and can be performed in a happy mood. One does not need to go any severe penance and austerity. They can live this life in devotional service guided by an expert spiritual master in in any position, either as a householder or a sannyasi or a brahmachari, in any position and anywhere in the world, one can perform this devotional service as Supreme Personality of Godhead. So again, it's easy, it's sublime, right? It, it creates a happy mood. Um, if you've ever seen a Saint, you know, the Hiring On Party out there, it, it can create a happy mood. You feel good. You know, of course, we feel good because we see our people, right? Like, it's like, oh, that's us, right? Like, I remember sometimes, um, when I travel, I don't always, you know, travel with devotees, you know, sometimes I travel by myself, and I remember one time, I was in New York and I was walking to meet a friend and all of a sudden I hear like cartels and merdangas and all of a sudden it just like brings so much joy, right? So it didn't matter that I was a little bit late. I went over to sit in the kirtan for a little while because it's like, it's familiar, right? It's the most familiar. Um, There's a time where, you know, as most people know my story, my parents are Krishna conscious and I was raised in Krishna consciousness, but there was a moment in time where I um, used the excuse of um, studying. You know, I was school, I think I was like in 6th or 7th grade and we lived in Fort Worth, so it was quite a drive to come here um, to Dallas. And so I used the excuse that I always had homework and we slowly stopped coming every Sunday and I started to explore other avenues of spirituality. Like, I'd gone to a Catholic church, I went to a Baptist church, I went to, you know, different types of things just to kind of explore a little bit, you know, what else is out there. And I remember, um, I think I was like in 10th or 11th grade, making the decision, for some reason, I was just called to come back to the temple. And as I was walking up the you know, like the walkway, I heard the cartels and it was like my heart started beating again for the first time, like in a long time. And that's how it is, you know, that's how powerful that San Kirtan movement can be. And so if we're out there, you know, passing out books or doing Harinam, you don't know whose heart will be touched, right? So it's so important that we take the time to do these things. Again, Prabhupada says in the purport of 16, 1 to 3 Bhagavad Gita, the best sacrifice recommended in this age is called Sankirtan Yagna the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama, Rama Hare Hare, is the best and most inexpensive sacrifice everyone can adopt um, and derive benefit. So, you know, now we have to look at how can we participate in the San Curitan movement. We may be working, you know, we may have like a nine to five job. And then if you add in the commute times, and really, honestly, nine to five is no longer a thing. I mean, most people work like eight to six. And then you add in like an hour drive there and an hour drive back. So it's like seven to seven, um, you know, and then you have time with your family or um, you know, for me, someone who doesn't really have a family, it was like meal prep and getting ready for the next day and finding time to chant and, you know, like trying to find time to exercise and trying to get enough sleep. Like there's just, where's the time, right? So we have to find our own, according to our own nature, how do we engage in the Sankirtan movement? And if Sankirtan is just like the widespread glorification of Krishna, then there's many ways that we can you know engage in that like for an artist then we can paint beautiful pictures of krishna and his pastimes like we see you know bg sharma's paintings all around the the temple room i mean um i don't think that bg sharma would have been as famous as he is or was if he didn't paint the pastimes of krishna so beautifully and um, so many people become attracted to these pastimes because they're painted so beautifully. So that's widespread distribution. Um, you know, I uh, originally my in my career, I've been a physician, a family practice physician, and, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity there for Sankirtan Yagna. So I try to engage in the little ways that I can by... Um, Empowering people to live healthier, right? So I always say that my mission is to empower people to live a life filled with joy, vitality, and balance. Well, how do we find joy? It's through our relationship with Krishna. And through that, we can find vitality and energy and find that balance in our lives, right? So another way we can find balance is integrating Krishna into everything that we do. Um so that was one way that I found that I could help, you know, spread that joy, right? The, the joy of Krishna is with being a physician and trying to help get people to have healthy bodies and healthy minds. Um and then recently I've also taken on uh the service of teaching children here at the gurukul. So again, um it's still part of the same mission, right? Empowering people to have joy, vitality, and balance. It's just using a different tool to do that. And when we were in the teacher service training, you know, um, one of the teachers pointed out that education, you know, the primary purpose of education is Sankirtan, right? Is the widespread glorification of Krishna. And so... At the Gurukul, you know, just what I think I think are so beautiful there is that we get to easily tie everything that we're learning to Krishna. You know, we don't have to worry about separation of church and state. We don't have to worry about different things like that. Um, and some topics are easier to see as being connected to Krishna, and some things are not as easy to see. For instance, um, one of the things that I'm teaching is vocabulary and spelling. So, in some ways, that can be hard to see how that directly connects to Krishna. But one of the things that I always admire whenever I'm reading Srila Prabhupada's book is his command of the English language. And he has that command by having a vast vocabulary, right? And so, that's one of the ways that he engages that vocabulary in service to Krishna. And so, it's like if we have strong vocabulary, then we have a better way of expressing um, our connection to Krishna to reach far more people, right? So everything can be tied back. And so when she, when the teacher first said that, you know, the purpose of education is Sankirtan, it was like, wait, what? Book distribution? Like, that's what we think of as Sankirtan. But really, we can see how everything ties together in that. And we have to remember that, you know, this is Lord Chaitanya's ask like he basically is begging us to spread the glories of um Krishna. Um one of my favorite passages from the Chaitanya Charitamrita is from Adilila chapter nine and he's describing Lord Chaitanya is describing the um the fruit of devotional service as a tree, right, with many nectar and he says, I'm the only gardener. How many places can I go? How many fruits can I pick and distribute? It would, certainly, it would certainly be a very laborious task to pick the fruits and distribute them alone. And still I suspect that some would receive them and others would not. Therefore, I order every person within this universe to accept this Krishna consciousness movement and distribute it everywhere. I am the only gardener. If I do not distribute these fruits, what shall I do with them? How many fruits can I alone eat? So Lord Chaitanya is like pleading with us to help him spread these fruits of Krishna consciousness, this nectar that's joy, right? It's like unadulterated joy. So many times in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, in order to find peace and joy, we have to understand who we are. And our relationship to Krishna. So that is, you know, coming off of this weekend of Janmasami and Vyasa Puja. That's something that we can all take with us. You know, meditate in our hearts. How can we participate in the Sankirtan movement if we're not already or don't know how to participate? We all have our strengths. We all have our talents. You know, we all want to use that to distribute the Krishna consciousness movement, you know, in um, chapter 9, Adi Lila, Lord Chaitanya goes on to say, Distribute this Krishna consciousness movement all over the world. Let people eat these fruits and ultimately become free from old age and death. One who has taken birth as a human being should make their life successful and work for the benefit of all other people. It is the duty of every living being to perform welfare activities for the benefit of others with their life, wealth, intelligence, and words. By one's work, thoughts, and words, an intelligent person must perform actions which will be beneficial for all living entities in this life and the next. So that's the mood of Lord Chaitanya. That was the mood of Srila Prabhupada. And we are followers of Lord Caitanya and Srila Prabhupada. So we're duty-bound to honor this request, to heed this plea that they've both made, you know, on behest of Krishna. And, you know, so it's important for us to know what exactly are our skills, our talents, um, and even what our challenges are, you know, what our flaws are, so that either we can work on strengthening our flaws to better serve Krishna, or we can delegate those activities that would require more of our flaws, you know, and then we can focus on our strengths and use those to serve Krishna. So it's really important. It goes back to the conversation we've had before about being really honest about who we are and where we are and what we're capable of in this very moment so that we can push ourselves forward and really deepen our love for Krishna, but help others, guide others on their path of Krishna consciousness. And of course, I'll conclude with, you know, what I um, always tell myself. The most important way to preach is by example. You know, if we're going to guide someone, anyone, we have to do it ourselves. We have to be on this path ourselves. Now, does that mean that, you know, because sometimes I hear this and I would think, well, I'm not really good at, you know, planning my day. So if I'm going to tell someone to plan their day, you know, how do I do that, right? But I may not be good at it, but I could have someone plan my day for me and my day is still planned, right? Or I could make small, you know, little things that I can do and I share that. And then they may be like, oh, well, I can do this, right? And so then we can Cooperate. So, preaching by example is not just I do every single little thing myself and then, you know, then other people, then only can I tell someone else to do it. It's also understanding what's required and what within my capabilities I can do and what can I, you know, seek help with. You know, part of that example is it's okay to seek help. It's okay to not be able to do everything by yourself. You know, because that's the kind of attitude we have sometimes, right? To ask for help is weakness or that someone will know that we're not 100% Krishna conscious if we ask for help. But that's also part of the example is that I'm sure most of us here are not 100% Krishna conscious. You know, there's very few souls that can say that they are 100% Krishna conscious. But we're all on that path. And sometimes we've figured some things out so we can help others in that. And sometimes other people have figured things out and they can help us with that. And so if we're not willing to ask for that help, we'll never know. And if we struggled with something and we asked for help and we found a solution, you know, it's also incumbent upon us to, to share that, right, to share that I struggled with this and now this is how I figured it out for myself, this is what worked for me, and it might work for someone else, or it might give someone else an idea of how to modify what worked for you to work for them. So those are little different examples of preaching by example, um, not in the common ways that we think of. So I will end here and see if we have any questions or comments. Thank you. So the comment was that they appreciated um, that the San Kirtan movement doesn't always have to look like what it's described in the books, you know, going on out on Kirtan and book distribution, but it's also using your own nature, you know, like painting, um, because many of us are not good at going out on books. And many of us, you know, like if you've ever heard me sing, you know that I'm not really good at holding a tune or rhythm, Um but, you know, like, I can dance, so I can always dance. So, yeah, so that is that is very important, right? It's a quote that Riteta Jaswami says a lot, that apparently he's quoting my spiritual master, Tamal Krishna Goswami, who said, be who you are and be that for Krishna. So We don't have to change. We don't have to become something artificial, something inauthentic to who we are. We can be who we are. And... Use that to serve Krishna. So All right. So I will end here. Dharantra Srimad Bhagavatam Ki.